All righty. Good morning out there in Radio Land. This is the day that the Lord has made. This is the day that anything is possible. We serve a God of the impossible. So whatever you're going through, whatever you're facing, whatever trial, whatever temptation that is on the horizon, I'm telling you, God is more than enough. Jesus has always been more than enough. He's going to be good and more. He's always going to be good, more than good enough. Sorry about that. Uh, I thought it was going to stop, but it didn't. But he is more than enough. He even He's even better than the music keep going. So this is a beautiful October 13th, 2023. Um, I think there's some rain in the forecast for this evening, but overall it's going to be a beautiful day um, before then, and we're hoping that you're going to have a blessed day praying for the kiddos as they go to school this morning, that they would have an excellent day. Um, we got Brother Gerald and Brother Ramsey, I think, going to be on this week. Uh, they'll be in here, and then we've got Brother Bjork, at 8.30 this morning, and um, I'm not for sure. We might have George Witten pop in somewhere sometimes this morning on the phone, but I'm a, not 100% sure about that. So, uh, Miss Hannah, how are you doing in there? Doing good. I was actually talking to the kids about George the other day. Yeah. Um, how good his interview, helpful his interview was. Yeah, he's definitely um, rich in a lot of wisdom and knowledge about what's going on here, and I think he has a lot of revelation as well. And so um, <clears throat> we appreciate Mr. George. He's always so willing to come on. And, of course, it's he's with Worthy News, and you can download the Worthy News app or you can go to the website or anything like that. And um, he has really – I always enjoy Worthy News for the sake of um, it seems to be a little bit more in-depth and behind-the-scenes articles that a lot of places won't cover. And I mm-hmm. found him to be very thorough and truthful with what he says and um, writing from a – um, just really a truth perspective, not a partisan perspective. So I really appreciate that out of Brother George. Um, so we're going to, I have to get back with him because there's a little bit of scheduling conflict with times and everything like that because he's in a different time zone. I think we may have messed that up. So we'll see how that works out. Um, but if worse comes worse, we'll have him on next week. Um, Where is he located right everywhere. now? Everywhere. You know? everywhere. I, I, I think he's in Florida or the East Coast right now. Gotcha. But I'm not for sure where they travel all the time. And yeah, because so, my first thought was, I wonder, because he goes over to Israel too, right? Well, his actually home is in Israel. Okay, that's what I thought. His residence is in Israel, but he's been in, he's actually, him and his wife been predominantly in the United States since COVID. Okay. Um, because Israel got really hard to go home during COVID, mm-hmm. and I think they bought like an RV or a camper or something like that, and they've been traveling the United States and preaching and teaching and doing seminars and stuff like that for about three or four years now. Awesome. And so they stay pretty busy, uh, but we're we're we'll see if we can't get connected with him today as well to give us a little bit more updates. There's a lot more going on with Israel. Of course, they are um, 350,000 ground troops. I think is what's the last number I read. That's marching into it. Um, they sent the Gaza residents a um, flyer by airplane. They dropped a bunch of them down saying, "Get out now!" Um, before they send the um, you know, until before they invade. And then from the last time I've heard Hamas, the terrorist group, has not let the Ga- – they're actually locking the Gaza residents in. So they're not letting the Gaza residents leave the Gaza Strip for the invasion. So that's the last article I've read where Hamas is actually preventing the Gaza um, Strip mm-hmm. residents from leaving so that they would have – it's it's basically another hostage situation. And there is still tremendous amount of Americans and others in hostage situations with Hamas. And then I don't know how much everybody's been keeping up, but I think Hamas has called for 
um, today to be a day of um, attacks on Jews worldwide. And Hamas has got sleeper cells all over the global global scene. And so they're everywhere. Um, I think from what I can understand, like New York City's on high alert and a lot of cities across the United States is on high alert because of the singular sleeper cells that Hamas has. And then I read one article where now Hamas, that they're calling against Hamas and ISIS and that they could be teaming up. So um, I've read a bunch of articles and a lot of postulations, so I can't really guarantee what's right and what's not. I'm just telling you from articles I've piddled around in and some things. I, I, I haven't been this involved in the news in a while, but I am for this one. Um, but I do know today is supposed to be the day that there was a lot of calls, and actually there was a leader of the Hamas organization that got on live television not too long ago, like yesterday or Wednesday, and you know made the call for October 13th to be the day of, um, we call them the lone, the lone wolf attacks so it's just the sleeper cells throughout found throughout the globe and they're not just in america they're everywhere and then of course if we calculate how many has tried to sneak through the southern border and all the sleeper and all the special agents and isis and hamas that we've arrested over the last few years and how many we've just arrested lately it will we would be shocked and startled to see how many sleeper cells there are throughout the globe um, that could be activated any time. And today's supposed to be a day of activation. So we're praying against that. Um, and we're praying against for safety from all the Jews across the world. It's It was specifically supposed to be targeted towards the Jews. It wasn't supposed to be terrorist attacks against America, per se. It was supposed to be against Jews. And so we need to pray for protection for them worldwide. And, of course, um, for the Gaza residents that are not, that are not allowed to be leaving and and not just the Israeli innocents that are dying, but also the Palestinian innocents that are dying. Because um, this is all this is war, and it is it's different kind. Of, this one's a different kind of war. I'm not going to kid you. It's it's not a it's not a it's not a um, normal one. I will say, from what I can tell, though, Israel is Israel is making the effort to hit military targets. So I think they hit 750 just in the last day or two military targets. Um, so they're not just going after anywhere, mm-hmm. whereas Hamas was going everywhere. And it didn't matter. Um, reports of just walking into people's bedrooms and executing Sorry. them in co-murder um, and, you know, walking into the music festival. And, again, I'm I'm not condoning the musical festival because um, I think it was a little bit of an awkward one. I wouldn't support going there. But <laughs> to... Say, I don't know much about that. I mean, I saw videos, but I don't know what the yeah, music festival was. They called it a trance festival. Mm. Um, but it's it was, I mean, these are young adults like Hannah's age and younger. They just walk into it. And there's one, there's one report that they circled around about. They gathered 200 young adults into a circle, surrounded them, wouldn't let them leave, and then just open fired. And um, that's not war. That's terrorism. And um, and so we need to continue to pray for them and um, pray for all involved, and especially the innocent, the families who've lost someone, the one, the families that have hostages um, that are being held, the Gaza Strip residents. There's so many that we need to be in prayer for, for Israel and for those surrounding. And, of course, we're hearing more conversation um, President Putin made a statement yesterday, as far as I know, that was one of the first ones he's made concerning this war. 
Iran's becoming a lot more vocal in all this. Um, a lot of the American politicians are now getting involved with that $6 billion hostage payoff to Iran. Um, that then, once that $6 billion went through, that's whenever the attack and assault went through. So it's, it's and now supposedly the Biden administration has froze that money and froze up that $6 billion payment. I'm not for sure how that works once it's already gone through, but supposedly that has happened. I can't guarantee that's happened or not. That was the latest report. So there's a $6 billion payment to Iran. And then as soon as that payment went through is basically when the assault started. So is that coincidence or is there some to it? That's what New York Times and a lot of other ones have um, you know, postulated that Iran is behind it. Now, that, now, I don't think New York Times was postulating the $6 billion payment so much but I think they did do an article from what George said about they were, you know, instrumental behind Hamas, Iran. Now, Iran won't take credit for it, though, as far as I can understand, because I think they're going to want to stay out of it as much as possible. But um, they're, I, I think everybody with a brain probably knows they are involved. And then, of course, we have our largest warship that is already over there and planes have already, you know, flew off of that to provide support and supplies. Um, from what I can understand, I'm not for sure if we decided yet or not, but I think they were going to send another warship over. So for us to be sending warships over, especially our largest one we possess, um, it probably means that, you know, we are preparing for things that we probably, us common folk don't under, don't know. Like, you know, not because we're stupid. It's just, we probably don't have insight to everything that's going on right now. And so. Are they sending that to Israel? Mm-hmm. Right off the coast. Um, and so just continue to pray. Um, we're trying to keep everybody updated as much as possible on this. We don't do a ton of news and views anymore, but I think it is very necessary to talk about what's going on in Israel and the surrounding nations, um, because I think it's heating up and there is a lot of vernacular, a lot of verbiage right now about World War III. Um, that's mm-hmm. becoming much more prevalent in the news. And that um, that wordage is becoming much more prevalent now because you see how much isolation, I mean, escalation there is in surrounding nations as well. And so we just need to be in prayer, um, need to be make sure we're praying for the peace of Jerusalem, praying, praying for Israel and all that God's doing um, and that all that God will do to protect his, his chosen people. And we need to pray for Jesus to come and the Prince of Peace to make up his um establish his kingdom amen um and so if anybody has any other input questions or anything like that on concerning that 270-230-6337 is the number you can text um if anybody has any more insight of course uh, brother george is much better explaining everything than i am um i'm not a news anchor person but i do i can i'm keeping up with this part so um, i actually don't watch much news anymore but i have been pretty involved with the israeli um, war at this point and so um, I don't see you know I think this is one that everybody has their attention on you know like this is this is a a war that's pretty hard to not pay attention to and that that's coming from I think there's even more young people you know getting trying to get educated and um, be aware of what's going on because I know I've never been really interested in news and politics and things like that but um, when it comes to Israel, I think it starts to wake a lot of people yeah. up. Yeah, and I'm one of those biblical prophecy Bible pastor, Bible preachers that um, I try to be very slow 
can saying things like, is this prophecy unraveling or not? I really do try to be really slow about that. But in this one, I'm not calling this Magog and Gog. I'm not saying anything like that. I think there is some significance, though. Mm -hmm. I really do believe there's significance behind this war um, because really this war is predated all the way. I mean, this is a conflict if you go all the way back to a guy named Abraham. And Abraham had two sons, Ishmael and Isaac. The Palestinians are birthed from the Ishmaelic um, lineage. And then you're, of course, Jews are birthed from the Isaac um, Mm -hmm. lineage. And this war is not a new war. It's not a new war. This is this is a very established war, um, and you have the false promise fighting up against the promise, and this is a conflict that's been birthed all the way back to whenever Abraham and Sarah decided to use Hagar instead of trusting God's promises, mm-hmm. and so Islam is really a result of the distrust in God's promises, yeah. and, and it's the false prophets. Mm-hmm. So um, this thing this thing is not new. And um, there's a lot to it. There's a lot going on, and there's a lot surrounding it. Um, and and I think our prayer must be peace, peace, peace. Now you say, well, peace isn't that going to set up the reign of Christ? Well, I hope so. Like you know, it's um, it, when you look at eschatology for an unbeliever, it is frightening. But you look at eschatology for a believer, it's establishing his kingdom. Mm-hmm. And so um, because. Revelation, even though there is some really rough things that are going to happen, the the point and the end game is Christ's kingdom will be established. His throne will be established forevermore, and the kingdom of this world will become our kingdom of our Christ. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I think there's just, I think there's a lot of strategy in this. Again, I'm not ready to say this is Magog and Gog because, well, Magog and Gog is a man, a ruler of a great alliance. And so... I haven't seen that one role of the, one person rise up yet. Um, I don't think Magog's going to be the Antichrist leading the alliance either. I think this is another governmental leader that has a lot of power. But right now, that I don't think that leader has distinctively raised up. Um, and so now if there's a prevalent face that begins to rise up um, and coming against, I think now the discussion may be able to be had. But Hamas itself is a satire group. So... There's not a, there's not a, there is faces to it, but there's not, I don't think to the extent of what's going to be. So, um, <clears throat> I do agree though. Well, one of the things that I thought about was the possibility of these events leading up to the a peace treaty. Well, I, I think that it has the propensity to do that after a period of time. Yeah. I do think it will escalate more. And I think that this war will have an escalation to it that brings in other nations and then somehow it, would it does be a perfect opportunity for a yes. peace, peace treaty. To and then it has the propensity to have mm-hmm. that peace treaty um, that would that would give access to parts of land. That then those access to parts of land would then make room for the third temple to be ramp, built. And I, I think that there's a lot of things has the propensity to be birthed out of this conflict. Um, but again, I'm I try to be as slow as possible. Because we've seen everything under the sun come out of it. Anytime anything happens in Israel, of course, it's instant Bible prophecy unraveling. And even though I think they're always going to be in the centerpiece of it, I think we have to be careful. You know, we don't want to be another 88 Reasons Jesus Coming Back in 1988. Um, And we don't want to be another Harold Camping that says he's coming back at like 708 or something like that on this date. 
Like, I think we see the times, I think we see the seasons, but no man knows the day or the hour. Mm -hmm. And so I think we're definitely in the season of his coming. And I think um, one confident statement I can say without any hesitancy in my heart, we are closer today than we was yesterday. Yeah, That's a true statement. Um, Jesus would have said, verily, verily, I say unto thee. We are closer today than we were yesterday. <laughs> um, and that's but I do think that, you know, whether this is, you know, we're close, really close, or whether it's it's a while and we're just kind of getting started and this is just setting things up, what, whenever the day or the hour is, I think when things happen in Israel, it should, we should take it as the opportunity as a wake-up call to just, to as a time of repentance, if we've not already been in re- repentance mode of getting our houses in order not in a in a way of fear but just a way of reverence for the lord and preparation for our hearts of you know mm-hmm. anything that's to come even if it's not his return but just we don't know what tomorrow holds and so yeah. i think it's just a good um a good way for us to to have a wake up call even if it's you know not out of fear but just out of reverence to the lord and um just being serious about him and and starting to really step into our calling that he's given us not waste the time that he's given us but um, really make use of the time yeah well i think too um you know i think one thing it's doing and is that it's actually very much affecting the american political arena right now um because you have president biden and as far as i know he hasn't retracted these statements and it was, I, I mean, I always said if he did anything that I'd be proud to say, I would say it. But when he came against a squad a couple of days ago, and um, and those squad, if you don't know who it is, it's AOC and Talib and all them who are very liberal. There we call them, you know, the liberal squad in the in the Senate. Um, actually, they're the representatives. They're representatives, and um, we call them the squad. And of course, you know. One of the squad members could not condemn the killing of babies. And the killing of babies happened, you know, there was 40 babies slaughtered and most of them beheaded in one village. And they couldn't condemn it. And they were basically, this squad, even within the American government, was sitting there blaming Israel for the Hamas attack. And President Biden and his administration, they they hit them hard. Like, they didn't put up with it. They... I mean, it was shocking, actually, to be able to see it, that they come against them so hard and they made their stand. But also, you know, a lot of things are being questioned now, even in liberal news media, because about a month or two ago, President Biden made a speech and said the biggest existential existential threat to the globe today is not the conflict in the Middle East. It's global warming. And they say global warming is going to be more of a threat than conflict in the Middle East. So now they're trying to have they're kind of eating their words because well in the last few weeks and months global warming hasn't touched anybody, but you see all the death and all the things and so, you know it's it's just really making them to question everything they've been saying and even even the left wing news media can't hide behind their ideologies and philosophies anymore, but then it's also like showing some things happening in New York City where protesters are a very small crowd but the protesters are out there and. It's showing how we're just not going to put up with it no more. And the thing that I do love to see is see how much America is really still standing with Israel. And even within our governmental system that is far left-leaning at times, and I don't think anybody's going to disagree when I say our political system's corrupt, and a lot of times we feel like we can't trust them, it is very good to see how many standing with Israel in this moment. And so I will say yes and amen to that. 
Um, and then, of course, when we personally begin to pray for Israel, and I've processed this quite a bit lately and how I'm praying for Israel and how we all should pray for Israel, um, we are not condoning what Israel is as a nation. Um, because actually, to be honest, they're very liberal. I don't can, I'm not a big fan of Netanyahu. Never really been. I've always kind of been leery of President Netanyahu. Um, I think his policies and a lot of things he does, I, I'm I'm leery of. the The governmental structure of Israel has actually become very liberal, and so we're not praying for God to bless that. What we're doing is praying according to the Scripture for the peace of Jerusalem. I think Brother George said it best. He said, when we're praying for the peace of Jerusalem, we're praying for Jesus to come back, and we're praying for him to establish peace. And we're not we're not looking for a peace and just Israel to keep going how they're going. Like, my prayer is that God would use what the enemy has meant for evil for his good and that Israel would turn back to the Father. And that um, some of the liberal ideologies that Israel was walking in, I, I pray, began to fall off of them. Um, because Israel was trying to institute such things as if you preach the gospel, you're going to jail. Um, I, abortion, same sex. I mean, all these things Israel always stood against in the last little bit. They have been standing, and their shifting stance has been, I mean, their stances have been shifting. And so we need to pray that God, first and foremost, would give peace to the conflict. Because whether you're in Palestine, whether you're in Israel, you know, to see women and children dying is never, it's never good. And we need to be praying for that peace. Um, and we need to be praying for Jesus to establish his peace and his kingdom and let the kings of this world become the kingdom of our God. But I do think also we need to be praying that God would use what the enemy meant for evil for his good and that Israel would turn back and Israel would have repentance. Mm-hmm. So... All right. Well, we got um, brother jo- brother Gerald and brother Denny has popped in here a little early. How are you all doing this morning? Doing great. Um, we've been talking about Israel a lot this week, so I'm sure you guys are praying for them. Yeah, we need what you're talking to me today. Sure, we're talking about it coming over. It's it's devastating and heart wrenching. Um, the stories have the stories have gripped us pretty hard um, and um, been praying for it a lot and praying for the, the conflict to end. Um, we, we don't want it to end yet. We don't want it to end yet. Netanyahu said, if you're a Hamas, you're a dead man. Netanyahu is right. They're going to destroy Hamas. There will not be Hamas in Gaza when this is over. I thank God for that. God is in control. Hamas went one step too far this time. They sealed their own doom. And I am happy about that. Uh, Ezekiel 38, 10 and 11 says, uh, Thus says the Lord God, it shall also come to pass that at the same time shall things come into thy mind, and thou shalt think an evil thought. And he's talking to Gog and Magog. And it says, Thou shalt say, I will go up to the land of unmoral villages. I will go to them that are at rest, that dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls, having neither bars nor gates. Right now, they've got a huge wall 
between Israel and Gaza just because of Hamas. Israel has not had a time when they were at rest and at peace and didn't have to worry about it. But they have to eliminate Hamas so they can have peace. That, that time where Russia comes down against Israel when they're at rest and they're in peace, that's not going to come until Hamas is eliminated. Because as long as Hamas is there, there's always that uh, issue of where they would start shooting rockets into Israel. But uh, Netanyahu is going to cut off the head of the snake. If I could help him, I would go. I mean, I, I, I'm telling you, Brother Denny and I was talking about this coming over here this while ago. It's like when they kill a Jew, it's like killing part of our family. You know, we love the Jew, and uh, they brought the Savior. You know, I, I wouldn't be sitting here today if it wasn't for Jesus. And the Jews brought Jesus to Jerusalem where I could get born again, not go to hell. I love the Jew, and like I said, if I could help, you know, I'm 77 years old, I couldn't even carry a rifle very far, but I'm telling you, uh, I'm, I'm mad, and I think most people with a conscience are mad at Hamas and the terrorists that just have no conscience. I mean, they've been taught from a child You've probably seen how they've been taught to kill Jews from a, from a little child. Well, if you can't reach them with the gospel, that's between them and God. Some way you, you've got to stop Hamas. And uh, Netanyahu, uh, right there on TV, said, if you're a Hamas, you're a dead man. And uh, I, I'm, I would help him, you know, if, if I could... Little old me, if I could do anything to help him, I would have helped him. I mean, it's, uh, thou shalt not kill. Hamas has killed Jews just uh, over and over and over. And uh, they don't want peace. They've offered them land. They, they don't want land. They just want to annihilate the Jew. So uh, they, they. I don't think anybody them. wants the Hamas terrorist group to re you know, stay active. They want them dismantled and gone for sure. Right. They did overstep their thing, but we need yes. a we need a swift end to it. We need to deal with it. We need to get it done because that, uh, that's what I'm praying for. But but right now, with so many women and children dying on both sides, I, I mean, I, I'm still praying for the women and children that are dying in Palestine sure, and Gaza sure. Strip, and the sure. fact that Netanyahu tried to send the flyers out to the Gaza Strip residents and tell them to get out, and then Hamas is blocking them in. We're I mean. My heart is this isn't a regular war, and nope. a lot of um, a lot of women and children are just being slaughtered right now from both sides because right. they can't help it. And so, right. um, I see that too. And I just want a swift end. I want right. Hamas dismantled for sure, um, but also I want to I want to stop seeing babies beheaded in the villages and women and children slaughtered from rockets and and missiles so right um, yeah i mean we don't we don't hate the palestinian people i mean we don't want to see them die and uh they send them flyers so they can get out of the country and get away from it but uh 
I, I hate it that Egypt <coughs> won't let them come into Egypt. I mean, that's, uh, I hate that. I mean, all, all those people don't, in Gaza, do not support Hamas. <coughs> the Palestinian people in, in Gaza, a lot of them do not support Hamas. Well, they've been held captive. Exactly. Yeah. Um, exactly. <clears throat> And so, well, we got to take a break here. It's our break time. We're going to do our first trivia question of the morning. Um, so this will be Friday question number one, sponsored by the Sicilian Bank. In what humiliating way was Abimelech murdered? In what humiliating way was Abimelech murdered? 270-257-2689. We'll be right back here after the break on Mornings with Box 2 Radio on the Box 2 Radio Network. All right, we are back here. Uh, Brother David Hicks got that answer correct in what humiliating was. He murdered a Bilimek. A woman dropped a millstone on his head. Judges 9.53 is the answer there. Amen. You got it right, Brother Ramsey? All right. Um, the walking Bible in there got it right this time. How's your going? How's your reading through the Bible going? Uh, it's going. I'm, I'm reading every day. Yeah? I'm determined to get through it. Where are you at right now? Uh, I'm fixing to get into Ruth. Ruth? Yeah. Was Chronicles hard to get through? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> sure was. <laughs> and so but you're doing pretty good getting to Ruth. Yeah. I'm, I'm determined to, to read through, and I'm in, enjoying it. Yep. Well, it's always, uh, I always found every time I read the Word, even though it's something I may have read a hundred times, I get something fresh. Amen. Yeah, see, I, Amen. I, I read about Abimelech just a few days ago, and, <laughs> and so I go back to find out in Judges that uh, that's what happened to him. So uh-huh. that's how I got the answer. A- after I heard the answer, I remembered what it, what it was, but I could not bring it to mind. Yeah. Some of those yeah. women were pretty rough. One of them drove a nail through a guy's head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Amen. <laughs> yeah. Actually, there was one that that there was one that really stumped me yesterday. Of uh, and I mean, I have the answer, so of course I got it pretty quick because I have the answer in front of me. But what book mentions the custom of giving a person's one shoe as a sign of transferring property? I never remembered that in Ruth's story. Right. I didn't. I mean, I've I've read Ruth, but I've never. Right. I didn't remember it, so it, it got me. Um, but I said, wouldn't it be something if we could just buy a house off of giving somebody a shoe? Amen. <laughs> <laughs> <Hey>, <laughs> oh, so those here, days are over in America for sure. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Now we have about you know a week's worth of paperwork to fill out to buy a house, and it used to be it's a handshake. Right. Um, Amen. But I think that shows you um, honestly a condition of people's hearts, because Jesus said, "Let your yea be yea and your nay Amen. be nay." Amen. Um, and now we have to. I think that's one of the reasons that we use vocabulary such as I promise and I swear, even though the scripture prohibits it, it's because we're trying to, it's almost a sign, oh, we really mean it, because our yes really doesn't mean yes. Amen. And so I think um, as we've desensitized that and really desensitized the word, just yes and no, right? like we, you know, I think that we have to use words such as I promise or I swear. Right. Um, because we're trying to add some uh, behind it. And <laughs> Amen. Your it. your yes is a no shouldn't have need a uh. It should be so trustworthy. That's right. And so, Amen. well, um, go. You say you gonna say something? Oh no. Oh, I thought somebody no. can already say something. I had a listener pop a question in. Um, before I do that, there was Joey's um, dad joke of the day. What did the rooster say to the hen before leaving for work? Have an excellent day. 
Excellent. <laughs> yeah. um, Excellent. And then one listener said, if the Antichrist is here now, how old you reckon he is? Um, well, I'm not for sure the Antichrist is here already. He might be. I don't, oh, he, he's alive. It's the spirit of the Antichrist. Yeah. I, in the world. I know the spirit of the Antichrist is here without a doubt. Yes. The spirit of Antichrist is, well, it's been here. Right. Uh, he That thing hasn't been going anywhere. And it, uh, but um, I think it's very likely he's alive. Oh, the person uh, is absolutely alive. Um, he, he's an adult. Uh, we're so close that he has to be an adult. And uh, he's, because he's going to be on the world scene within the next uh really probably seven years at the most and i I believe probably within the next five years that uh that covenant will be signed with the jews to confirm the covenant daniel nine twenty seven so he has to be an adult and he has to have a reasonable amount of respect or nobody would accept it you know just and and he's going to be the leader of the ten nation European Union, and uh, Roman uh, in Daniel nine twenty six says that the prince that shall come uh, of the people that the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and who's destroyed the city and the sanctuary? The Romans uh, destroyed it in seventy A.D. So. The revived Roman Empire, the leader of that, will be the one that signs, confirms the covenant with the Jews for the last seven years. So, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, that is right in front of us. So he has to be an adult. He has to have a certain amount of, of recognition and authority already for him to, for him to just step in and make that kind of a decision and and the world accept it. So he, he is alive. And uh, personally, uh, I think I've got a good idea who it is, but of course we'll never know, even though we might know, but until he actually signs the covenant, the seven-year covenant with Israel, we will not know for sure that that's him because somebody else might come out uh, of another nation in the ten nations and be the one but uh he is definitely alive and uh he's just waiting for the spotlight so basically where we're at right now but it's going to be for a while because just like this thing with uh hamas uh that will be settled and uh and then all these uh arab countries that are agreeing to sign the covenant with the Jews, well, that w- that will have to be all in place. So we we probably have at least two or three years before all that will come together. So, but far as the answer, Christ Himself, the Man, is here, and and and, and he he is a a leader in one of those nations probably right now. So there's really not any question about that with the time frame that we have of the end of the world. So 
I think that if if this Israeli-Palestinian conflict in Hamas right now that's going on unravels like we speculated it will, um, and George Witten and them is speculating it will as well. Well, I, I'm sorry, I don't know what you're talking about, unravel. What are you talking about? Well, uh, if it unravels into World War Three, like we think it will. Oh, and, no, it's, and so, it's not going to do that. Well, I mean, there's a lot of people speculating it is. Well, sure, um, sure, but they're not. Well, I'm just saying, like, you know, um, in my opinion. And so if it's unraveling like we're seeing it do it, and George Witten and them has been talking about as well, and a lot of world leaders now are talking about um, everything that's escalated and everything that's going to go, and especially with the talk with Iran, um, Iran's and other ones, and then, of course, the threat upon Damascus for nuclear war, and then us sending our warships over there. I think there's a lot of things unraveling in that area. And if they do, then I think we are definitely going to see a player come on the, on the scene. I, I do without a doubt because I, I think that we're getting closer and closer and closer. Right. And Yeah, you're <clears throat> right on that. And so I think that we'll see a lot of things. Um, again, I don't think that we are in like tomorrow he's manifesting himself by no means. There's right. still there's still quite a bit of things to, yes. to happen. Yes. And we're still gonna have to have the annoyance the the alliance from the north coming down, which will then transfer into Magog and Gog. And we're gonna see that what brother actually brother Jerry was reading from Magog and Gog a minute ago in Ezekiel thirty eight. And so I think we're still I think we're still a little bit of ways, but I think everything's in play and I think that if everything unravels like we see it unraveling um, then I think that it will continue to to set up the stage for the Antichrist to come and take his his place and his right. and, and and especially in eschatology to begin to unravel even on a greater extent. I just move slow through all this because you know we there was a lot of stuff swirling over and over and over, and we want to be biblically accurate with what we're saying the best we possibly can right um because i don't want another social security numbers come out that's the mark of the beast I like you know it's just like we we've got to be cautious and and i like to i like to move slow with stuff i used to right. like to move fast right. now i'm like let's i like to just Amen. i like to try to move slow because Amen. i found when i usually move when i move slow um um then i'll make less mistakes and i have to repent of less things because then i <laughs> uh because <laughs> um, I've had to eat my r words quite a bit. And um, what do we call that? Eating crow? Right. Um, mm. um, let's see here. And then um, another listener said, I've been saved many years and heard he's been here as an adult. Just think he must be getting pretty old. Um, well, I think that I think we've said a lot of stuff over the years, though. Mm. Um, and I think we said a lot of stuff grasping for straws in a lot of areas, just wanting everything to be here when it's not but I, I do think there again i say this with caution because i want to move slow with everything for myself and that's just me um i think where we're at today is different than we've ever been at absolutely sure. and absolutely. yes we've and, never been here before and people said a lot of stuff like i would i mean i'm not joking there really was a book that was called 88 reasons he's coming back in 1988 right. And so we said a lot of stuff over the years, um, but right now we just need to. Um, I think we're. I think we can watch things unravel on the world scale. I mean, I think what Hannah said earlier, what that should do more than anything is just make sure that w our hearts are right. Like right. that, this is where we're saying, "Come, right. Lord Jesus, let the Spirit and the Bride say, come." And it should it should escalate that desire for Him to come and establish His kingdom. And that's what George was saying the other day, like. 
praying for the peace of Israel is praying for Jesus to come um, because Israel won't have peace until fully Jesus comes. And well, there will be a false peace for a season. Right. But then yeah. but then there will that – I think after that false peace is when Magog starts – Magog and Gog comes into play because right. then the Northern Alliance is going to come, and I think Russia will be a major part in that. And yes, so, absolutely. Well, but, I think, you know, as I said, uh, Paul thought the Antichrist was in his day. You know, they, they look for the Antichrist, but there's a spirit of Antichrist has been in the world since those days, and it will enter into someone <coughs> – whatever age they are it would just like Jesus when he gave that sop to Judas and the Bible said Satan entered his heart and somebody's going to pick that up and it's going to enter their heart and they're going to become that you know living person right so I I've looked this week uh, I've seen a lot of people was re- referring to Ezekiel 38 I done had it my Bible turned this yep. morning but I was talking and I said, no, this is not Gog and Magog. No, we're not there no, yet. We're not there yet. No, no not at not. all. <clears throat> but it's headed that way. Yeah, I mean, that's where I think that I actually think Magog and Gog will resemble tremendously a World War Three type atmosphere. Right, um, for sure. Yeah. Because when the Northern Alliance comes down on Israel, as long as we're where we're at now, we'll stand with them. And when we stand with Israel, then I think then you have some – World War Three type atmosphere because if we right. go into war and stand, and even if it is Russia, Turkey, Iran, Palestine, I know people's going to flinch when I say it's Ukraine. I think I think that all of these northern alliance will come down, and I think if we get involved at that point, then I think China will get involved at that point just because we're involved, and then I think you have a world scale. But it all became it, it's all because of that northern alliance that came down upon Israel, and um, and so I think some things are unraveled. I do not think we're there yet though. By no means. And so um, there's another question. How soon does the gentleman um, believe the one world order will come? Um, <coughs> well, my philosophy that everybody else is able to say there is we're still a little ways away from the one world right. order by far. Right. Because you're going to have to have deconstruction of a lot of um, economic systems. You're gonna have to. You're not just destroying one or two economic systems. The the economic systems of the world are gonna fail, and whenever that does, then we will create a one world currency. You cannot have a one world government absent of a one world currency, and this is why we're going digital and crypto and so many things because you have to have a digital currency to have the one world order because the one one world order needs to enforce its ability to dictate what you buy and don't buy. They can't do that with paper money. They can only do that with digital currency. Amen. And so until you will not have a one world order until you first have a one world currency and that one world currency is going to be a digital currency. And that way, basically anybody at that point can cut you off. You can't go to the market and buy because we can you unless you you tap into our currency and you give into our terms and agreements, you're not able to spend and have transactions. That's exactly right. And so I think until we see an establishment of the one world currency as a result of the fall of the economic systems of our world, Mm -hmm. um, then I don't think you can have a one world government. I don't think you have that. And I don't think you have the Antichrist truly revealing himself in the scene until he can establish himself as a ruler of all this that's going on. Um, And so I think that we're still quite a bit away from that. So I have said for about two years or more that we are definitely in the days of the beginning of sorrows. And I think we Boxer see that in Matthew I'm help you. at the Olivet Discourse and, and talking about the beginning of sorrows. In there. Mm-hmm. So we're definitely in that, um, those days. Saturday morning and Friday afternoon. 
Um, I mean, sorry, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, waiting on you. Oh, we, we thought you were going to keep going. Oh, no. 12 to 4 I, I, on Thursday. I had a note, and, and I can't find my note that I wrote down this morning, Saturday. so that's what I was looking for. Right. Well, talking about Thank it, you. it's going to be a while before that takes place. Well, I, I believe it's definitely going to be a while because Ezekiel 38, the Lord is talking to Russia, Gog and Magog, and uh, back in Genesis 10, is telling about uh, the lineage of Noah's son, and and specifically uh, states Magog. So, but the thing about this with this thing with Ukraine, Russia's going to have to have some kind of victory, or they're not going against Israel. Mm-hmm. So, that that's that's going to take some time, you know. So yeah. It's not just in the next six months or so. But I don't, I don't, I mean, Ukraine's put up a good fight, but I don't know how long they can, if Russia really flexed their muscle. I, I mean, Russia's, Russia, Russia's got some pretty major artillery they haven't used yet. Right. And right. Uh, if they ever did, Ukraine really can't stand against Russia. Well, uh, I, the way I understood that Putin was talking about uh, nuclear. But, He's mentioned it several times. Yes, but uh, there's an, another guy over uh, in the Ten Nation, Macron, I mean, he, he stuck his head up, and he told Putin, said, don't forget, we have nukes, too. Yeah, but so, really, I mean, um, a lot of that's a result from um, no leadership for the United States. That's why— Oh, Lord, yes. Um, Lord, and, yes. and on a world scale, and so we, we don't have that. But uh, Miss Gretchen mm-hmm. said, and I agree with her— and that's why I said something similar to it's about checking our heart as much as it is about anything else. But right. every day is one day closer. So right. live it accordingly. Be busy about advancing Jesus' kingdom, but be ready Amen. to check out if he calls you home. Amen. My prayer is um, um, <clears throat> I, my prayer is this, that I get to go out on the pre-trib. Uh, I feel like I'm going out mid-trib. I'm not staying until post-trib. Um, and wherever he calls me home, though, I'm I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going home too. Uh, but I do think here's the important thing too. I, I and I talked about this Wednesday night. It's important for us to understand this stuff for the sole reason when our kids and our teenagers and our younger kids start to hear this stuff and those around us. It's a perfect opportunity for us to preach the gospel. Amen. Because now they're starting to swirl. They're starting to ask, yeah. "Well, what's going on here? What's going on? Is this really yeah. happening?" Well, yeah, it's really happened, but this is where you don't fear. This is where we trust. We need right. to surrender our hearts to Christ. We need to rest in Him. Um, we need to trust Him. And it's it's really an opportunity, first and foremost, for discipleship and telling them how much Christ is their Prince of Peace and how He is going to be here for them and, and how He will walk us through. And um, I think a lot of young people are hearing a lot of this stuff right, right now. And they're, right. they're probably more scared and questions than they actually ever want to admit. Yeah, but um, that's a good thing. But here's the opportunity for us to really share the gospel and preach the gospel with right. them. Um, and so I, I just think it's, um, <coughs> excuse me, I think that it's prudent to understand where we're at in the times. Amen. But I don't think it's prudent to only focus on where we're at in the times. I think we have to, you know, our main focus is Jesus. And however we can share Jesus, however we can preach Jesus, and however we can get Jesus into our lot and our children's life and our grandchildren's life and our adults' life. I mean, this is an opportunity that God will use to 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 for his gospel to go forth, for his good news, for people to be saved. And Amen. 
and we need to make sure everyone's ready. So when we do see the signs and we do understand the, t- the signs of the times, it shouldn't cause us to go into isolation, hide in a fear. No, yes, no. believers, it should drive us to make sure everybody around us is ready to be to go home. Absolutely, and, absolutely. And so I do appreciate that comment from Miss Gretchen. I think it's a right one. Amen. Um, Amen. <clears throat> Well, um, some good questions so far this morning. Anybody else got anything? We got a couple. We got two or three minutes for the hard break, and then we got some other questions. And of course, Mister Bjork's coming on at eight thirty. Right. Um, anybody else got any input? Well, any? I, I've always said we talk about the heart. I've always said that uh, they say in the medical field to give yourself a medical examination daily, check your body for places that you weren't there before. And I always say, give yourself a spiritual examination daily. Mm-hmm. Don't let somebody else examine you. You examine yourself. <laughs> Amen. Have a well checkup every day. Well That's check right. up That's and good. See where your heart is and where your instruments are, your hands. If you, you know, see where you are in, in your spiritual life, too. I think it's a good thing you can give yourself a, a self-examination. Amen. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Amen. Um, we actually talked about this uh, with the teenagers the other day. And um, there was a few of them that were honest. I kind of just felt like some of them may have been battling with some fear surrounding this because I know, you know, probably a lot of their parents, especially that go here, they stay up to date with those things, the kids that are in Christian school. But they might not always know the full, you know, uh, explanation of why and what's really going on. So we kind of looked at Scripture together, and uh, we went to Second Peter 3. We went to some other places, too, in Mark when Jesus was talking about um, the second coming and things that he was going to prepare the, the disciples for and other people. But we went to Second Peter 3, and I think that that is a good passage. To It talks about um, us being diligent, um, and it, it just... The verse 14 through 18 is just really good, um, talking about, you know, not to be carried away um, during this time, but to be strong, to be diligent, and to grow in the grace and knowledge of uh, Jesus. So, Yeah, amen. Uh, that's a good passage. I agree 100%. Um, you know, I'll see here. We got one minute left. Um, I'll read the second trivia question. Um, when we come back, we got a couple other Bible questions on that's been on the list most of the week, and we haven't got to yet. So we're going to try to knock one or two of those out this morning as well. But I want to—I I mean, I got to agree with Hannah and them as well as like you know, just um, in in moments like this, um, pry a little bit, push a little bit on our children and our kids, especially teenagers, and don't let them just cop out on the ah no, I'm okay. Like you know, it's just. <laughs> You know, and even if they feel okay, like use it as a teaching moment. Like parents are the kids' greatest disciplers, not their pastors, not their youth pastors, not their kids' pastors. As a parent, you are called to disciple your own children. You're called to instruct your own children. You're called to to teach. Um, And some of the questions gets really hard. Um, Eliza started asking some questions on the Trinity the other night to me and Ethan, and we just <laughs> sent her up to Hannah and Heather um, and because she couldn't understand, but it was really good questions. And, and we were, um, you know, and then I made the mistake of, you know, talking about how Mary never, um, you know, like she's too young to understand a lot of the, the concept around birth and stuff like that. So, you know, I said, well, um, God was Jesus's, you know, it, it, 
her pace says this, okay? Her pace says God died on the cross. And I understand what the pace is saying. But she couldn't understand it. She goes, Jesus died on the cross. I said, well, Jesus was God. Well, no, Jesus was. Yeah, Jesus is God. Like, she's trying to figure out this whole divinity thing. I said, well, good luck, because I've been trying to figure this out for about 18 years how this all works. All right? Um, and so, but it was very challenging. It was very good. And um, it was, a, we had a lot of good conversation with her around all that. And your kids probably have more questions than you realize. And we have to take time to answer those questions. And um, I say I brushed her off. We didn't brush her off. Me and Ethan probably talked to her for 20 minutes downstairs. <laughs> and then finally we said, we'll see if Heather and Hannah can get through to her better. Because uh, I wasn't getting nowhere. But you're, the Lord has entrusted you as a parent with those kids. Amen. And you are going to be their greatest disciple. You're going to be their greatest pastor. You're going to be their greatest teacher. You're going to be the greatest everything in their life. And we must take those things serious. And so I'm not asking everybody to be a Bible scholar, but I am asking us to to learn and to grow enough in the Scripture that we can educate and raise our kids in the admonition of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. Friday question number two, sponsored by Higdon Land Surveying. What soldier killed a baby by taking hold of his beard to kiss him and then stabbed him with his sword? What soldier killed a man, not a baby, why did I say a baby? <laughs> what, what soldier killed a man by taking hold of his beard to kiss him and then stabbed him with his sword? 270-257-2689. We will be right back here after the break on Mornings with Box 2 Radio on the Box 2 Radio Network. We are excited for everything that God has in store for us today on this October 13th. This is the only October 13th, 2023 you'll ever have. So let's make the most of it for the glory of God. Um, we have an answer to our second trivia question of the morning. Brother Joey Sosh got that correct. What soldier killed a man by taking hold of his beard to kiss him and then stabbed him with a sword? Joab, Second um, Samuel 20, verse 9 through 10. So congratulations, Brother Joey, on getting that answer correct. And that gets your name. He's in twice for this two-week period. We got one more week after this. Um, honestly, I haven't determined what we're giving away. I should know this by now, and I don't. I'll figure it out. Um, we'll give away something something good. Something good. Maybe it'll I be... I have an idea for something we could... Okay. One thing we could give away. All right, we'll we got... talk later. <laughs> we got one thing we can give away. Um, and then we got some, I got another idea. So maybe you put my idea and Hannah's idea together, then we can, um, we can, we can give that away. Amen. Amen. All righty. Well, we are progressing forward a little bit. Um, and I know we've talked a lot this morning on Israel and everything surrounding them. Of course, some end time things happening. Um, we got, we're going to move on to this one question that's been on the list all day long. I mean, all week long. And we, haven't got to it. In Mark chapter 3, verse 11 through 12, is Jesus commanding the unclean spirits or the individual with the unclean spirit? And so if you go to Mark 3, uh, I'm going to turn over there. Mark 3, chapter, chapter 3, verse 11 and 12. And he said, The unclean spirits, whenever they saw him, fell down before him and cried out, saying, You are the Son of God. But he sternly warned them they should not make him known. Um, I, I think, and I'm pretty sure just the scripture says it right there. He's commanded the unclean spirits. Yes. Um, and a lot of times Jesus would walk in, even the guy, um, from the garrisons, um, there was two of them technically, depending on which one you read, but even them, whenever he come in, Jesus commanded the spirits and he realized who, what he was doing and who he was fighting against really. 
Um, and his fight in this instant in Mark three was not against the guy. The guy probably didn't know who he was. It was right. the spirit who right. knew who he was. Right. And so, and Jesus was telling the spirit, don't, don't tell anybody. Now right. there's a lot of theories behind why I don't tell anybody. And we've covered that a little bit in detail as well. But, um, here, I think specifically he's talking to the spirit right. to, to stay silent. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And if you ever see a deliverance starting to take place, and I'm, I'm going to be honest, and you see the deliverance person leading the deliverance, um, if you if you see them keep on giving a person that's oppressed or possessed the microphone for the demon to speak through, because demons do speak, and if you don't, I think you probably need to go back to Scripture and read because it's all throughout Scripture where they have spoken. I think you're entertaining devils at that point. I don't think you're doing deliverance. I think you're entertaining. And um, I would never give the microphone to a demon to speak. And that to me, that's just unwise, and that's entertainment. It's not deliverance. Um, and so I think it – I don't I, – I think here Jesus is basically – because honestly, Jesus never had a conversation with the demon. He never allowed the demon just to say whatever the demon wanted to say. Amen. He had a he 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 had authority and he used that authority. Amen. And the only time the demon ever spoke is if Jesus asked a question. Yes, that's mm-hmm. right. And I think Amen. we have to be cautious how much we're. I see some deliverance things going on where they call it deliverance, and you know this one guy I watched had a thirty minute conversation with a demon walking around the church, and I'm like, there, there's nothing there's nothing delivering about that. It's entertaining. Amen. And, um, and it, it it may have clicks and it may sell things, but it's not going to deliver or set anybody free. Amen. And you're given a platform for the demon at that point. Right. And so, but demons do speak and we have control and we have authority through the name of Jesus to cast them out and to break their strong codes and do all that. But we also have authority to shut them up. Amen. Through the name of Jesus. You don't. Amen. But the name of Jesus in you does. Yes. Yeah. So anybody else? No, I just say amen. I mean, yeah. you did good. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And we don't, and we go back to, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood either. Like we're not commanding people to do things. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and right. we have to remember even in deliverance that, you know, people, ha- they're people. They're not just, you know, they're they're not just property that we can i've seen you know deliverance gone wrong and just bow down here fall down you know just trying to be very manipulative and i think we just have to we have to operate out of love and compassion and um really i love i think aaron actually said this one time but moving in compassion i think he said moving in compassion uh whenever we do anything in ministry but especially deliverance because i like what another uh, deliverance ministry that says their one of their like statements is it's a ministry of love. Mm-hmm. Right. That's what it is. It's not oh. a ministry of entertainment. It's not a Absolutely ministry of, not. Uh, yes. of pride. It's a ministry of love for Amen. the people because Amen. we want to see people set free yeah. and we we want to honor them as much as we can in the process. You know, like I, I know a lot of people do a very good job of their ministries. They will um, make sure that they're taken care of. Make sure that you know there's things in place. There's uh, for whatever happens during their deliverance, that they have water, they have you know towels, they have and they they have a team that's loving on them, not like making a, a scene about it. Um, and I know a lot of churches have a plan for when things like that happen, you know how to go about it. And um, we just have to remember that people are you know we're here to love people and serve people, not make entertainment or make um, embarrass other people. So. If it's entertainment or embarrassment, like you're talking about. 
the person does not get delivered. Yeah. They really don't. And that's a sad thing. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about the seven sons of Sceva there when they right. were uh, right. uh, trying to cast out those demons in Jesus' name. They were, in, And they said, Paul we know and Jesus we know, who are you all? And so they jumped out and beat them up. Mm -hmm. yeah. they, so you had to watch out about that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think it's um, I think deliverance is a dangerous game to play with if you're not oh, if you're amen. not equipped for it and amen. know who you're really serving. Amen. And I think we have a lot of I'm just gonna say it like I feel it, and I've said this pretty strong on Wednesday nights and the deliverance and stuff that we've been doing the trainings and the teachings we've been doing. Um, if if you're if the deliverance for you is entertaining and self exalting, you're in witchcraft, not the Holy Spirit. Exactly. Mm -hmm. and exactly right. And so, and I think you have to, if deliverance points back to you and you're the star of the show, you're in witchcraft. Right. Mm -hmm. And, right. Um, and because really true deliverance points people to Christ. Absolutely. And whenever the, the guy who was bound up in chains at the garrisons got delivered, it was, he got delivered, restored, and history will tell us actually he became a church planner. And, and if you read if you read history, it will tell us he's a church planner that created or the Bible God. said he was setting up and in his right mind. Yep. <laughs> Amen. Yep. Amen. And and a lot of and a lot of times too, like you know, I've seen deliverances happen where somebody you know falls out or something. Oh yeah, we won. Um, but you know what Jesus did to the young deaf boy, mutant deaf boy, the spirit of infirmity came out of it, and the boy collapsed on the ground. After the boy convulsed, had foam out of his mouth and everything, he fell on the ground. And this is the thing I love about Jesus at this point. Jesus picks him up. Amen. And we make the pinnacle of Christianity hitting the ground. Jesus made it getting picked up. Mm -hmm. And we think that we're having a good service when somebody hits the floor. I think we're having a good service when somebody gets up from the floor. Um, and so it is, and, you know, I, I have many scriptures to prove that too. Like, um, and for, for instance, the woman caught in the act of adultery. She's thrown in the middle of the ground. Jesus restores her and picks her up. Yes. Um, and even whenever, like you see in scriptures, when somebody hits the ground to worship God, as we rightfully should, as we rightfully Absolutely. should. Yes. Yeah. All right. I've actually never seen in the scripture where somebody fell backwards outside of the, the guy in the garden. Thank you. Thank I see you. him fall forward. Thank you. And um, I've talked about this quite a bit because we've answered quite a bit of questions on being slain in the spirit and everything Amen. and i've been on i'll be honest with you i've i've been in services when i was younger and i traveled a whole lot that i would pray for somebody and they'd fall on the ground and i'd pick them back up right and i would i would have like the people's pick them back up like he he and i would i would graciously and as lovely as i could probably not as much as i should have back then because i was i was young and there's probably a little more arrogance and compassion mm -hmm. um but you know this isn't the night to fall out this is a night to get empowered. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times we've fallen out backwards in tradition and just what we know. But a lot of times in Scripture, when I've seen people really fall out under the power of God, it was fall forward on their knees or collapse on their faces if they were dead because they're under the power of God. Amen. I, I, I would like to tell a little story. Mm -hmm. In my house uh, 45 years ago, there was uh, a group of young people— we were in a circle. We were holding hands. We turned the lights down. Uh, we lived on the street, Andalusia there. And I was holding a young girl's hand, and she was, I think, 14 years of age. And uh, she released her hold, so I opened my eyes, 
and she went down, you know, just like you melt, kind of go down. It looked like the side of her head hit a coffee table. And uh, the devil told me she's dead. I said, she looked dead to me. But I said, if I ever need to pray in my life, I need to pray. And about 10 minutes later, that young girl got up filled with the glory of God. And uh, she was not hurt, wasn't a pain in her body. And, and I told a preacher, I said, uh, if, if they want me to come and preach, and, uh, and I go, and there comes a time for prayer, uh, if people get up to go catch them, I'm going to tell them to go sit down. Because what I've seen, that when the Holy Ghost put somebody on the floor, there was no pain. God will protect them. If God is really in it, he'll protect them. We yeah. don't need no catchers. The Holy Ghost will take care of it. And I said, if they go down and they get hurt, they need to know it's not God, the Holy Spirit. I, I think um, a lot of times, I mean, I'm not anti-being slain in the Spirit. I've I've done a lot of work around this question over the last couple of years. Um, but I do think, again, the biblical presidents, a lot of times when I see somebody fall out under the power of God was falling forward, not backwards. Right. And then also I think that, I think the thing that hurts me is I think the enemies use this kind of thing at times to prevent people from getting what they really need. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I don't, I, I think there's been legitimately fallen out in the spirit. And I think I people's do. fallen back too. Like, I'm yeah. not saying if you've ever fell back, you were out of the will of God. Like, right. I'm not saying that whatsoever. Right. But right. also if you, if you claim to be slain in the spirit, and when you hit the ground, you cross your legs, put your arms under your head, and lay there and snore. You're not in the spirit, all right. And I've seen people do. I've seen people hit the ground, and when they hit the ground, they shuffle to get more comfortable. They cross their legs, they put their hands behind their heads like this, and they just lay there. And I'm like, what a mockery! What a mockery! And um, and so, this is where I say that we have some fixing to do with how we've used the spiritual gifts and the power of God, and. And even though I completely 100% agree with the doctrine of cessationalism, I'm a continuationist till the day I die. I believe the power of God is as real today as it was yesterday. Amen. Amen. All right. Amen. I do think it's important for us to hear some of the stuff they're saying, though, right. because some of their stuff they're saying, we probably need to hear a little bit because we have made a mockery about some things. Mm -hmm. You can't teach people to speak in tongues. You can't, no. you can't teach people how to, you can't like, you know, I, I can't walk up to Brother Ramsey and say, I give you the gift of prophecy. we got to right. stop some of this nonsense. Right. And we've got to allow the Holy Spirit to be the giver of the gifts, the equipper of the gifts. Now, can we help edify and build each other up in the gifts? Yes. Well, Is there certain things we could teach each other about the gifts? Yes. But I can't give Hannah a gift. Right. And I can't teach her how to speak in tongues. That's a right. gift. All right. right. And then there's some things on Scripture, too, about praying, praying out loud. Tongues. It's you know, there's there's guardrails that Paul put in there by Amen. influence of the Holy Spirit Amen. and the empowerment of Jesus that prevents us from falling off clips. Amen. Guardrails do not stop you from moving forward. Right. It enables you to move forward and not Amen. fall off the cliff. Amen. And so what we've done is we fell off cliffs, but we call it progressive. Mm -hmm. And and it's not like the gifts are there to point us towards Christ. Yes. And to build his church. Yes. 
And if they're doing anything other than that, again, we're walking very dangerous territories Amen. that we're building ourselves as idols because we can prophesy. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And and the gift of prophecy may stay. It, you may have the gift of prophecy, but is the gift of prophecy in your life pointing people to Christ or pointing mm-hmm. people to you? And if they're pointing people That's to good. you, everything that you're doing will burn up in the hay and stubble, according to Corinthians, and they will have no rewards. So you mm-hmm. may prophesy till the cows come home. But if the prophecy is not pointing people to Christ and they're pointing people to you, you might as well sit down and shut up because you're not actually building the kingdom. You're building your kingdom. Amen. And this is where we've had a lot of people who've got wealthy and rich off the gifts God's given them because they've created idols and not a kingdom. And so. Amen. um, Amen. um, Probably what after we're doing after deliverance and spiritual warfare is we're going to continue some more into the five-fold ministry on Wednesday nights and spiritual gifts mm-hmm. and talk a little bit more deeper about it. We've tried to do it several times, but you never have enough time. Right. And we've talked about it over overview, but to actually dive into my mm-hmm. My passion is to work from the Scripture out. Mm-hmm. I don't care what Billy Bob is saying over there. No. I don't care what Apostle... Jamama is saying over here. I don't care what Prophet Soso is doing. I don't care. Kevin Wallace says, I don't care what Prophet Flip Flop says over there. Like, <laughs> we need to know what is Scripture saying. I don't care what I don't care what the Pentecostal Church says about tongues. I don't care what I don't care what the Baptist Church says about tongues. I want to know what does Scripture says because Scripture Amen. is the thing that's God breathed. Amen. 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 Uh, you, you all have been talking about angels a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. <coughs> I, I'd like to share a story that a guy told me uh, Monday evening of this week. He he owned nursing homes, I mean nursing homes, funeral homes for years, and he did the bombing and everything. And he was, at at this point in his life, and, and this was like at least 40 years ago. Uh, he's 82 now. and uh, But he said he's sitting on the courthouse steps in Calhoun, and the uh, funeral home was just right up the street. He said uh, three uh, <coughs> station wagons come by. Each one had a load of kids. He said they were having some kind of a party, like a birthday party or something for kids uh, uh, down the road. And he, he knew about it, knew what was going on and everything. And he said he was sitting there on the courthouse steps when these three station wagons come by. And uh, he said it was, wasn't just a few minutes, got a call that had been a bad accident right outside of Calhoun. So he run to the funeral home to get the ambulance and go to the accident. He said they had one lane open for him uh, there was on each side uh, accident and, and just everything, but they did have the one lane open. He said when he got there, there was a nurse standing there in the middle of the highway, and he pulled up beside her and got out, and she she had uh, three children laying out there in the other lane, laying in the highway, and uh, she told him, uh there was one in the back these were hurt but she said there's one in the back but but don't uh bother them they're already dead 
uh, they started to load these kids, and she asked him, did he have a pillow for this one child? And he said, yes. She said, put it in the front seat and put the pillow under its head. He did that. And then they put the other two kids on stretchers in the back of the ambulance. He said, when they got ready to go, the only place for her was right between those two children. He says she got up in there between the two children, and they went to Owensboro Hospital. He backed up to the uh, emergency uh, room, and they started taking the kids out of the ambulance to take them in the hospital. And when they did, he asked one of them, said, uh, well, where's, where's the nurse that was with me uh, when I got here? She said, there was no nurse. He said, there was a nurse who rode with me from the accident to here. They said, there was no nurse in there. And he was in tears. He knew that the Lord had sent an angel mm -hmm. to help him with those children. And I mean, that was 40 years or more ago. And he was in tears telling me about it. So... Does he believe in angels? I can take you and introduce you to a guy that knows angels yeah. are real and they do get involved yeah. in the human sure. life. So, For sure. I believe it 100%. Oh, I, I do too. I did. I mean, I, I had yeah. tears myself just I'm, hearing the story. I am I am so persuaded by Scripture yes. alone. Just yes. um, yeah. how much angels are involved. And now, again, we don't worship them. We don't do anything like that. Absolutely. But it, they are. They you are made a perfect point the other day. I, I was listening. You said if that angel lets you worship them, they're a demon. They're not yeah. an angel. Mm -hmm. And, and that, that is a perfect point. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Hebrews tells us, or some might have entertained angels unaware. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. I prayed the Lord sometime. I said, Lord, I'd like to see an angel, and I really would. You know, I haven't seen one yet, but I'd like to. Mm -hmm. I think it'd be very, I don't know, neat. <laughs> yep. I believe you may have seen an angel and didn't know it, though. That's true. Uh, That's true. And so I, I think that, you know, um, I think we've seen angels and didn't know it, and I think we probably have been around demons didn't know it either i think the oh. spirit realm is a lot more real than we've ever imagined right. my personal my personal take this is aaron wilson's not <laughs> box two not hannah's not jerry's anybody's this is aaron's is that we are such a distracted desensitized people that we don't have an eye to see really what's going on in the spirit realm yeah romans uh, 5 8 i believe it is where it says for god commended his love toward us uh, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I, w I was listening to a CD. Uh, Brother Ron uh, was interviewing me about uh, that end of the world outline that I had. And uh, he, he said that, uh, you know, that I saved his life. Uh, and uh, But he said, he, uh, right after that, he tried to kill me because he driving like a maniac. But talking about it. Driving like Jehu? Huh? Did you drive like Jehu? Uh, I was that night. <laughs> and uh, there is no doubt we were both sinners at the time. Uh, I had a 60 Pontiac, and we was going to see how fast it would run, uh, top end. And over at Hardensburg, where you went by Texas Gas, go around that curve and then drop over a hill. It's a long hill. 
and we was going to see how fast that car would run. And uh, so when we topped that hill, we probably run close to 100. And uh, it was night, middle of the night, and there was a car sitting in the middle of the road. And we got around that car and didn't hit it and didn't wreck. So no doubt the angel of the Lord saved our life that night. I mean, it's just, there's no question uh, because we was running over 100 mile an hour and uh, we, we'd have definitely been killed. So, uh, the angel of the Lord protected me. He commended his love toward me while I was a sinner and he saved my life. So later on, he knew that he could save my soul. He knew Romans five eight. I knew that scripture a long time. And <laughs> yes, I, sir. I, I wonder what you're going to uh, put it with, but uh, it's good. Right, right. I love that scripture. Amen. Yep. He, he saved our life. Oh, we were sinners. Oh. oh. Yes. All righty. Well, we got we to gotta go to break here. Um, thank you, gentlemen, for coming out this morning. What a great morning. We're going to take a short break here, and we'll come back on with Mr. Bjork and Mr. Miller in just a second. All right. We're happy to do it. Uh, Mr. Bjork, are you with us this morning? I am ready to go. All right. <laughs> I wouldn't expect anything less. We, uh, we got a full slate today. So we'll jump yeah. right in. But uh, first, how's things going up in uh, Virginia? Uh, very real well. Um, uh, my son is actually down in Florida oh. uh, visiting. He's got a big meeting in Orlando, and he's uh, going to visit my um, daughter and brother okay. while he's down there. Oh, well, that's good. That's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. A week or so ago, you had a couple of visitors from uh, down here in uh, Box 2 land. Yes, indeed. It was so nice. Brother Hitton and uh, <laughs> yeah. Connie was here, and uh, we enjoyed them thoroughly. Wow, that that's good, yeah. Perfect. Well, that's great. Uh, well, hopefully we'll get up there to visit you guys soon myself. I'd love to do it. Oh, good. That would mm -hmm. be great. All right. Uh, well, let's dive in. Uh, what do we got going on? Yeah. Uh, well, first thing, I was, I've was i noticed uh, there's a really, really large star object in the sky this time of, at, yeah, at night. That's, yeah, that's uh, Jupiter. Not and a star at all, right? I go out the front door and Jupiter's staring me right in the eye. It's, uh, yeah. <laughs> it, uh, and, and it's not hard to find because you look into the sky, it's going to be the brightest thing up there. It is, isn't it? Yeah, it's remarkable. And uh, it has, of course, part of that is because of the humongous size of Jupiter, yeah. even though it's so far away. Uh, it still can reflect a lot of sunlight, and that's what we're looking at, and it's uh, really, really amazing. Yeah, I never, never cease to uh, be surprised and happy about that. Also, um, if you look around, you'll see a red star, and that's the planet Mars. And if you get up early enough in the morning before sunlight, you can see uh, something that looks almost as big as Jupiter yeah. uh, in the uh, night sky, and that's Venus. Okay. So, but uh, that's for the early birds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you yeah. go. Um, but I, yeah, I was uh, actually, uh, we were down, vacationing down at, uh, at the beach uh, last week, and uh, we were walking that night. We were walking out on the beach, and the kids, they were uh, trying to cap, uh, capture some crabs. 
And uh, boy, Venus was, I'm sorry, not Venus, Jupiter was humongous. Yeah. It just seemed like it was almost a little bit eerie. It was so big, you know, the ocean there. <laughs> and it's, it's yeah, you don't, expect it to, uh, you don't expect to see something like that. Yeah. Just look at normal stars in the sky. And, and then uh, lo and behold, right, we were talking about it. And lo and behold, I get a call from Mr. Charles Bjork. And I thought, well, how, how, uh, how convenient. <laughs> so, yeah. but, all right. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, um, uh, we're going to talk. One of the things we've been periodically talking about are, are the things on Mars that mm-hmm. uh, we're desperately looking for places where we can find life. We go yeah. to asteroids and we go to Mars and bring back samples. And uh, we haven't brought anything back yet from uh, Mars, but we uh, have certainly got um, stuff back from asteroids and uh, the moon. Yeah. And uh, from that, they're trying to trying to see if we can sit, make some sense about what we're finding here on Earth. And right. that's kind of a stretch of the imagination, to say the least. But uh, but I just wanted to warn everybody that uh, when you see these pictures of uh, ancient aliens that... Uh, um, are purportedly uh, from outer space. To not think too much about it yet. Uh, we're gonna. We're still waiting for both NASA and the Department of Defense uh, uh, work on UFOs to see what kind of stuff they can release. To tell us about what right. they know. <clears throat> and uh, so that's about to happen. And, and we're going to find out even uh, this morning that the strongest evidence uh, we have of life in the universe besides here on Earth. Um, is something that's been seen in an exoplanet of, an, of a star that's okay. quite a ways away, 120 light years from us. And uh, they found a planet like this, roughly the size of Jupiter, maybe just a little less. And um, they have uh, determined from the radiometry, the uh, uh, the Makeup, in other words, what molecules are radiating that light, and they've <clears throat> come up with uh, a wonderful surprise because uh, the chemicals that are usually found in life uh, organi- mm-hmm. organisms have been found there, and it's got everybody really excited about uh, the prospects that uh, uh, we can prove that there's life somewhere else in the universe, albeit. We don't know what it's like. It could, you could be talking about uh, air, uh, swamp stuff, right? Which is an issue we're going to get to uh, here in a little while. Because, um, <clears throat> but by the way, um, the uh, a, a future college student, not even in college yet, but he's got a job as a <clears throat> with NASA and as an intern, was able to locate a planet from the. Uh, um, stuff we got back from uh, several satellites. Uh, uh, the test satellite was primarily the one that he used for his basis, and he he came up with a planet uh, that could be Earth-like, but but huge, size of Jupiter, and um, did that all before he got his first college course. Wow, <laughs> that's really amazing. So he found yeah. a planet. Yeah, he found it. Yeah, he looked at the data and and said, "Hey, this is some, this has got to be a planet." Uh, his name is Wolf Kukier. Um, That's a good name. Kier Wolf. Seventeen years old. Yeah. Seventeen, really. Yeah, and he's now deciding which 
which are some pretty famous uh, colleges he's going to go to, and he won't. He shouldn't have any problem getting in. Yeah, <laughs> you put that on your yeah. resume. That pretty pretty much guarantees you're going to get in anywhere you want to go, right? You bet. Huh. So it was a great thing to, you know, we found quite a few exoplanets around uh, nearby stars. And I say nearby, you know, hundreds of light years away, some of them, but like this one. Um, yeah. And uh, so it's it's amazing um, that we can learn as much as we can from them. But we know the kind of chemicals we that life organisms produce. And, and by golly, we're finding that we're... We're seeing some of those in the uh, um, astronomy, mm-hmm. and uh, the uh, K218b is the name of the planet. Uh, you know, they always take these; they have these ways to name the planet. And now, uh, will, it, will it eventually get a uh, you know a regular name, so to speak? Yeah, it, it'll it'll they'll probably continue with that naming. Uh, except that the, you can be sure there's going to be something, Kukie uh, or something of the person who discovered it right. gets a chance to get his name in there on that. And, and so we'll probably see that. But right. um, <clears throat> So they have... Uh, um, now, now who, didn't you intern for NASA? Yeah, yeah, I did. I, did you I, discover I, any planets while you were out there? No. <laughs> no, I was... Uh, I was in the uh, uh, launch control. I was down, uh, I think I was uh, the third base down in the um, uh, line of, of bases we have all the way over to Africa. Okay. And uh, get data when we launch a, a satellite or a rocket, uh, those, all these bases are uh, covering the, the, the launch, and then they have to uh, get control of the, of the system. Okay. For a while, and um, so you have, and they they call the people who are doing that thinkers. You got thinker one there at the Cape, and you got thinker two down in the southern South Florida. <laughs> Sounds almost like uh, Doctor Seuss. <laughs> yeah, and thinker three was in Bahamas, and that's yeah. where I was, and that was thinker three. That means to be thinker three for you a were whole, thinker for three, a whole huh? year. Now was this so at a high school or at college? Out of high school, getting ready for college. Okay. Yeah. So you were just like this fellow here, but you didn't, um, you were just a thinker. Yeah, I didn't discover anything. went fantastic. <laughs> you were I just a thinker. The, I was in the, I was telling everybody to push the button, blow the thing up. <laughs> okay. yeah. yeah. They probably wouldn't have done it if I had told them, but nevertheless, that's what the thinkers did. They <laughs> controlled the launch and so on. It was really exciting. And I know that uh, Wolf is having the time of his life right now. I'm sure, yeah. I'm not, I'm sure that they're standing in line to get him in their school, and he's got some pretty good schools he's working toward. So, wow. so that's a good lesson for all you college bound students. You know, do the best you can and um, uh, do well, and it won't be uh, anything bad. Yeah, I'm seeing the so, story here. It looks like his top choices are Princeton, MIT, and Stanford. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He won't be going to the community college first. He'll be <laughs> making the jump. Not likely. <laughs> That's amazing. That really is. Yeah. So anyway, this uh, uh, we found the uh, stuff that we need to see to um, to to determine that there are the elements of life uh, are available from 
the returns we're getting out of the uh, planets we find around these stars. Mm -hmm. They're called exoplanets. And uh, so this is an exciting thing. And uh, we'll be keeping you posted on the latest results of all those. We're going to talk about one this morning, too. Okay. Um, but now in the last week or so, a couple of weeks, we've had the Nobel Prizes issued. Right. And then um, they've been the, on the different um, endeavors of psychology, of physiology, medicine, um, and physics, which is the one I was most interested in. But <clears throat> they've been uh, given, uh, mm -hmm. uh, they do this uh, uh I want to, they're not necessarily annually, but uh, periodically anyway. And um, they, one of the, the things they were able to do on this last round they gave a Nobel Prize for was um, uh, Pierre Auguste and uh, Lorenz uh, uh, Krauss and Anne Le Huffier, um have for experiments they did in. Uh, and they were trying to isolate an actual blip of light, a pulse of light, and um, and to properly size it and so forth. And they came up a, uh, with a method of doing this. In order to do that, they had to measure down to the size of an what's called an attosecond. I saw that in the uh, notes, and uh, I've never heard that term before. Yeah, it was, it's very rarely used because there's not very many attosecond things. Okay. And, uh, but if you want to measure a, a, a block of, of light, you, you have to be able to measure it down to the level of an attosecond, which is um, a millionth of a trillionth. <laughs> a millionth of a trillionth. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, the minus 18. Isn't that amazing? Anyway, that was... That was one of the prizes they got for the ability to, to actually capture electron, uh, exactly measure it, and uh, using the, the light zooming from it to determine what that was. So it's kind of a remarkable, and, and it's going to have a lot of fallout uh, now in the physical or the physics community. And and uh, and the guys who were doing the biology got the biology Nobel prizes. Mm -hmm. or uh, have methods of uh, for the work that they did that allows us to have a vaccine for COVID-19. Right, for yeah, that mRNA uh, technology there. Yes, right, the, M the MNRA. Yeah, that's a great, uh, um, a great yeah. discovery that's going to have a lot of implications for a long time. So, uh, real, real quick, uh, not really off topic, but but when a discovery like this is made, does this ju open up just new doors for research, or so what? They usually they usually they usually make something happen that you couldn't have done otherwise. Okay. Just in this, the, this some of the uh, understanding of what's required for this MNRA uh, mm -hmm. development was now possible. Yeah. Um, and uh, so it's uh, a great. And, and it's frequently done for very good scientists over the course of time. And uh, they, uh, the impact of what they've done is with us permanently, and, and, and astounding things like that can be done, which is why 
that's what Nobel had in mind when he when they formed the Nobel Prize. Right. Uh, the people who were doing that to uh, make uh, to bring attention to that sort of thing, and that's what they've done, and it's hmm. been really amazing. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. what I thought I'd do is take a quick run through. Through, uh, I've got another thing to introduce, a weird thing that people aren't familiar with. Okay. And that is, um, uh, they have the, we have rovers and orbiters around Mars that have been looking for indications of living organisms or e- even that or living organisms of the past. Right. This is a similar thing we're doing with the uh, asteroid missions. But um, uh, the guy who designed um, all the uh, orbit, uh, all the uh, rovers around, that are we've got walking around Mars was a guy Jake Matijevich. I always have a hard time with his name. Well, I can um, understand that. <laughs> and he he has all the systems that you've seen, a sojourner, opportunity, spirit, and curiosity, those are all machines that he was had designed and uh, was responsible for, and so it's a remarkable work. But um, And so uh, these have gotten the, the same sort of things we're talking about as coming from the stars and the exoplanets. They're um, looking for things that can say that if they don't find the organisms themselves, they'll find the... the Result of having such organisms, and um, they have, of course, clever names for all these things. Like, for example, the the call of one, the the donut, the um, the opportunity ro- rovers came about. Out. It's an it's a, it's a, they looked at took one image and they took another image and and there wasn't that much time between those images and all of a sudden you got this thing that looks like a donut laying on the ground, <laughs> you know, and um, and so it's. Uh, Generated a whole bunch of excitement, and a lot of these things have have uh, problems associated with them. And I'll mention what some of those are. But the other thing is, they found a hole in the, in the, at the south pole of Mars, and it, it was done just a hole. It was a, a a perfect hole, and it wasn't small. Yeah, it was like you know, it's 984 feet across. You know, so a significant fraction of a mile. And it's in a perfect circle, and they they were thinking, you know, the only thing you could form that, that was some sort of, uh, you know, mechanical thing that people or beings of some sort have built. That's the, the argument. And most of the time, uh, NASA or the uh, DOD people have come up with reasons why that's not doesn't work, and uh, they have developed a whole term for it to a. Uh, um, um, paradolia uh, is a means that every time you look at something, you can see a face, hmm. and it's a t- 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 it's something that humans do when they find that stuff, and um, so they're uh, not so much for these because these are earth uh, geological and, and things that are resulting from volcanoes, right? And but uh, when you find a you know, you expect to have a less than perfect hole in the ground. One of these. And another thing they saw was the uh, they they call it something shiny, and it's uh, it's a thing that uh, glows. And uh, the uh, scientists have decided that that's basically the leftovers from a meteorite that has a metallic content and it's reflecting sunlight brightly like that. And 
elders that and um, they have a uh, another one that shows an avalanche um, a Martian avalanche and they Mars we're gonna have to know that when we go there that there's they do have avalanches and there's something to be aware of and it's, hmm. that's uh, gonna be a problem another one's dragon scales they call it they look at the surface of this and it looks like something new you get off a, uh, a dead alligator. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then they, then they, this coincidentally, one of the things they had to develop that term of paradelia is uh, when they uh, had one that looks uh, like the um, Muppet uh, named Beaker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two eyes and a nose. Oh, I remember Beaker. Head yeah, and there's a head shape like that. So there's that, and then, um, and of course, anything that's metallic. You know, the guys, the UFO people are saying, "Hey, that's a part. That's a spacecraft." And there's there's the handle that operates the hatch. <laughs> and um, so, uh, uh, so they they call that thing uh, um, a hunk of metal. <laughs> not very, not very creative. Yeah, something not very creative at all. <laughs> yeah, tadpole, tadpole crater is a crater that's very large, and uh, it has a, uh, you know, Mars even gets hot enough to melt water or ice into water, and then that water flows downhill, and so it's got this tail on it, like it looks like a tadpole, it's a big uh, circular shape with a tail coming down, and, then, and that's uh, something we... Yeah. Are gonna, yeah. The uh, another one is called Kissy Face because it looks like there's a little animal with it that's got his lips open up and he's gonna kiss something. And it's, kissy it's Face. A very interestingly shaped rock. Yeah. And uh, and um, but it's uh, the periodolia is the uh, word that they use you know, when they're talking about people who see things and they see faces and the things they see. Right. Yeah. And yeah. So, and then there's the Waffle Mound, and and then there's, of course, the most famous one of all is the ones they had very early in the Mars orbiters picked up. It looks like I got a face. It's a it was it's a pyramid that has a whole face cut or, cut into it, and you see the eyes and the nose, and the mouth. It's really amazing, and it's uh, um, but it's a, but they determined when they looked at it with a high resolution camera, mm-hmm. all those things went away. Right. Yeah. So it's basically a, a, a optical illusion. Yeah. And, uh, and of course people's periodolia is at work while when they go through that. And then there's, um, <clears throat> the, um, uh, blueberry rocks, they call it because of different shades of blueberry, uh, in the rock color. And um, the uh, NASA folks would say are poo-pooing that and saying that you're going to have a lot of different things. Asteroids come from who knows where in space, and they're made out of all different substances, and they all reflect light differently. Yeah, and that's what they're looking at there. So anyway, we have um, SpaceX is going to launch twenty has in fact. Twenty-one more Starlink satellites in the California launch area. And you know, I haven't heard much about the Starlink stuff. Uh, I mean, I guess I'm out of the loop on that. I, I you know, remember them talking about launching it and how it was going to be make uh, internet 
uh, capability available to more rural areas and things like that. Has that gone yeah. well? Uh, yeah, too well. Okay. So well that uh, China and Russia believe that they should be destroyed. Oh, yeah. Now, <laughs> okay. we have a space treaty that is going to prevent that, we hope. But they uh, obviously, if you're a, a, a totalitarian regime, you don't want everybody to have free access to all the world's messages. And uh, so they, uh, she and, and Putin do not like uh, Starlink right now. They're not fans at all. Yeah. And uh, they, uh, they like to control their uh, their messages that gets out. That's exactly right. <laughs> they want a bunch of people coming up with these wild ideas. <laughs> yeah, so, freedom. <laughs> Now they have, um, uh, we, we have, you know, periodically we study the black holes and mm-hmm. really they're always an exciting thing for astronomers um, and, and the other scientists. And, uh, <clears throat> and the problem they have is it's difficult to get data that you would prefer to have for, from them. But we had a particular galaxy which apparently has spit out a black hole. And they believe uh, that this runaway black hole came from the fact that you have uh, black holes' extraordinary um, uh, attraction, gravitational attraction. And so you get two or three black holes bouncing uh, things back and forth. Um, And apparently the phenomena happened that this particular black hole was experienced such an amazing force that it got knocked out of the whole so the whole galaxy so it's it's running away on its own uh, dragging a tail of gas and stuff that it's you know still continuing to draw in with its incredible average but first time we've ever seen anything like this is a fast-moving runaway black hole so it's really yeah. got scientists excited about that that uh, thing and then of course the uh, um, we have some interesting, uh, we've had, we're just getting now back the results from OSIRIS-REx, the trip to Bennu, the asteroid Bennu, to find out what, one theory says that these asteroids that we're seeing now are leftovers from all the stuff that things were, that the Earth was formed from, and and uh, that they're all running through space, and these different galaxies are populated by these, these uh, things that become planets or stars. As yeah. the case may be. And, now, uh, now, where's this asteroid located at, generally? I mean, um, is it part of the asteroid belt? Part of the asteroid belt, yeah. Uh-huh. And, and it's not the first mission. We've had several missions up there uh, between NASA and, uh, and the Japanese Aerospace JAXA. We've had several missions. And the latest one, of course, was OSIRIS-REx, uh, yeah. which was going to the asteroid Bennu. Now, the one that we had the most information from prior to that was a joint NASA-Japanese aerospace company project uh, to the Ayatoka um, uh, asteroid. Hmm. And uh, the Habayashi uh, landers and so on were there and, uh, and, and great, got a lot of material together and giving us um, um, information and and so we used that to set, to prepare Osiris Rex so that when it was it was uh, brought down to the asteroid, would be able to find a good uh, sample collection area. You know, a lot of lot of uh, rocks laying around right. and so forth. And <clears throat> well, much to their horror, when they got to the surface, 
the first thing that happened was um, Osiris Rex. <laughs> it sunk. Oh, no. It went down 19 inches into a swampy stuff. I described it, and my wife said, that's like lemon meringue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they, it, they, they were lucky to get out of that alive. They, they did make some nice collection of material, you can imagine. Right. And they brought that back, and that's, and that's back now, and they've had it for a while. And they, they said a week ago there's going to be it's going to take another couple of weeks before they got the final outfit. But the really interesting thing is they expended, thought they were going to land on a, a hard surface with a bunch of rocks laying around, and instead they sunk 19 inches down into some frothy material, and um, and were lucky to get 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 out of it alive. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, real quick, I'm mean, running out of time, um, but the this asteroid belt, going back to that. Um, yeah. I remember when I was young, they talked about that it could possibly have been a uh, former planet that was, that had, uh, you know. It exploded. Exploded. Do you subscribe yeah. to that theory, or, or, or do you um, think it's something well, else? Well, the interesting thing is we have a constant rain of objects from deep space. Mm-hmm. And our sun draws them in, and that's where a lot of these asteroid belts uh, have the, the asteroid belt was developed from. The one that uh, the Japanese NASA project was called Ayatoka, mm-hmm. and that's the one that got us the first uh, return samples and, get, and basically had us helped us develop what we needed to get what we wanted out of a um, out of a Bennu. And uh, now we've got a whole spectrum of new things based on the nature of the new and I'm dying to hear what they're what they're coming up with on those last um, uh, analyses well I'm done yeah. here too but I just now realize we're out of time again okay <laughs> it, has, it has flown by and uh, I just looked up and we are we're actually way out of time so we we got to get off here mr. Bjor maybe we can pick this up next week we can talk about this next week maybe you bet. All right. We'll do it. Sorry about that, but it's time to go. And uh, thank you again, Mr. Bjork, for, uh, for calling yep. in, as always. And uh, we'll Good catch you next week. Enjoy it thoroughly. All right. Thank yep. you.